Hello and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host. I'm so happy you are back for today's interview. It's with one of my dear friends, Dr. Emily Hartman, who is a plastic surgeon, but it's not what you think it's going to be. Dr. Emily Hartman was born and raised in Chico, California. She studied medicine at Georgetown, completed her residency in plastic surgery in Madison, Wisconsin, and finished an aesthetic surgery fellowship at USC in Southern California. She currently has a private practice in her hometown, bringing a holistic edge to plastic surgery. Her passion is holistic care, minimizing narcotic use, and helping patients sort through what brought them in to see her. Her goal is to minimize trauma and provide an exceptional plastic surgery experience, mind, body, and soul. Now, while we do talk about breast implant illness, we do talk about Botox, we talk about how to find a doctor, we really get into some interesting conversations around the spirituality, emotional health, physical health, sexual health, prior to plastic surgery. So even if you're not interested in plastic surgery, I think you'll get some really interesting tidbits out of today's conversation. Additionally, Dr. Hartman is a mama. She's got three kids. She's got a thriving practice. So we talk a lot about just living life and finding happiness and fulfillment when you're busy, because this woman is busy. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But prior to getting in, we're just going to touch on a review of the week. And this review of the week is from Amy the Mama. Sam is fire. This woman has done her own work and it shows. Sam is funny, smart, and so inspiring. Love this podcast. Thank you, Amy the Mama. If you want to send us an email at sam at samanthajoharvey.com, we will send you a free copy of my 50-minute self-love workshop as a thank you for leaving a rating and review. And if you're trying to figure out how to leave a rating and review, just hop onto the podcast app, scroll down, tap the stars, and leave a review. I read all of them and they mean the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Without further ado, let's get in. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast, where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. We are here with Dr. Emily Hartman, my friend, my soul sister. I am so excited you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Full Out Podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk to you about all things plastic surgery, all things holistic health, all things, uh, you know, you being a fierce doctor and mom and wife and just living like the most balanced, amazing life. Like I can't wait to get in and get all of your juicy, good advice and tips and, and thoughts on things. But first I want to ask you, what does it mean to you to live your life full out? Hmm. I love that you asked this question. Um, in my mind, to live your life full out is showering yourself with love and joy every single day and appreciating your body for what it gives you and just fully embodying your self-love. 
Mm. Now I feel like self-love and like appreciating your body is such a unique thing in your field. Like you're a plastic surgeon, you help people shift their bodies. Now, my experience of plastic surgery is very small. To be honest, I don't know much about it. I had my boobs done a handful of years ago. I don't know if people know that, but hey, now you know it on the podcast. Um, but can you, yeah, I'm going to own it. And can you talk to me about why you got into plastic surgery? What is that story? How did you find your way there? Oh, for sure. So um, getting into medicine, I always knew that I wanted to... Um, you know, help people. And I loved science. I loved gross things. I liked dissecting, you know, frogs and such when I was little. And so um, getting into medicine, I very quickly realized that I was more of a surgeon than, you know, than, than medicine. So, so we have like kind of two, two directions you can go. And my personality just really more gleaned towards the surgical side because I like instant results. I like to work with my hands. Um, and so I went into to surgery uh, thinking that I would just do general surgery. Uh, and that, while it was interesting, there was kind of a piece missing for me. And I, the part about the patient interview that always like really jazzed me was like, what do they do for a living? What kind of family do they have? Do they have children? You know, like what the like real sort of backstory that we just sort of glossed over because it took too much time. And it really, you know, most things weren't relevant to like a sick patient. And so um, my last rotation as a third year medical student, when you're trying to find out what you're doing was plastic surgery. And I had zero concept of what this was. I, I mean, Dr. 90210 is what I knew, the guy with the pink pinstripe suit and <laughs> Dr. Ray, I think his name was. And um, so I, did, I had all these preconceived notions. And then um, the very first patient that I walk in that morning to interview, she had just had surgery. She was 18 years old and had a breast reconstruction for, she had a congenital anomaly where one breast and the muscles on her chest wall were not developed. And um, I started talking to her and she was very emotional, just saying, you know, yes, I've been dealing with this my whole life. And as I was going through my adolescence, I just, I was so embarrassed by what was going on that I started to do drugs and I started to date like the wrong guys. And I was getting into all these, this trouble because of this problem that I had. So this reconstruction is everything to me. This, this is, this is just, now I get to be me, whoever that is. And I can put aside trying to be someone different. And I was like, I am sold. This is what I want to do. I want to help people. I, I just, it, it was such a different level. That's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> I see that. I see that for you. And, and okay, let's get into this idea of self-love as it relates to plastic surgery. Cause there's a lot of, we're in the world of social media. Like everyone has a comment. Everyone has a judgment. People are completely for it. People are completely against it. What is your take as a prominent doctor in your field? How, how does plastic surgery serve that self-love conversation? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, plastic surgery is um, in and of itself a very broad field. Uh, you know, we generally fix 
defects like holes in things and um, you know re or cleft palettes cleft lips you know and people really can get their heads around that kind of plastic surgery like that makes sense you know kind of more of a functional thing um, or a cosmetic thing but but then you get into the aspect of aesthetic surgery or cosmetic surgery and that's a real kind of like I think the one that you're really focusing on um, in terms of differences of opinion and everyone has an opinion and there are all these tv shows about it and botched and you know everyone's talking about it and you're seeing the celebrities with the strange things they're doing to their face so there's this whole sort of narrative that is very fascinating <laughs> um and I think it's great that it's kind of a topic of conversation but my take on it is every patient that comes into my office i i focus on what it is what it is important to them you know and that's all that matters in my opinion that's all that matters that's what i tell my daughters you know if you're if you want to change something about your body because you want to feel better about it that's great that's important to you and don't let anybody else tell you different you know, um, philosophically, you can't really say that getting your hair cut and your eyebrows tattooed and your nails manicured, that's really no different than having your breasts done. I mean, there's a different process for sure, but philosophically, it's the same. We all want to feel good. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you're trying to look like someone on Instagram. It might mean that your breasts are deflated from having babies and you just wish that they were, they could fill out a bikini again. Sweet, you know, rock on, more power to you. You get that bikini on and you go out there. So I, I think that I really just focus on what's important to the patient. End of story. I love that. And, and that's really what I stand for too, is like, you do you, babe whatever is going to make you feel amazing. Awesome. As long as you're not hurting someone else, by all means go and do it. But before we jumped on here, you were actually talking about plastic surgery also as a band-aid to fix like underlying things. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean about that? So I have been in practice for about six years. And as I'm meeting different patients and having different experiences, I, I've, I've come to realize that there is a, a percentage of patients who come in looking for a quick fix for something. They need that kind of something to fill their cup. And they don't necessarily want to work on the reason why their cup is not full, but they just want to fill it with something else. And those patients tend to not do as well after surgery, um, just like emotionally, you know, and then, and then it seems like they go into a deeper depression or they have, they still have trouble. So when, after they have their surgery and their problems are still there, you know, so it's a, it's an interesting piece of the, of the patients that I serve. Yeah. So I know that you are talking about like building out this, um, this experience for your clients that kind of takes in the spirituality, the emotional, the physical, the sexual health, all of that to really prepare someone for surgery. And you know, me as a mindset coach, like I'm obsessed with this. I've never heard of any other 
doctors doing this. Can you talk a little bit about what your vision is? I know you're in the creation process, but what is your vision for that? Oh, thank you so much um, for that question. I, my dream and what I feel is my life's work, my mission for being here is to create something that is like every person who comes in for a consultation, they get, they go through an evaluation process. Um, and that is more focused on the whole, the whole picture. So spiritual, um, physical, emotional, as you said, sexual, you know, the whole thing. And um, then based on that, it, we determine whether or not they're ready for surgery uh, or if they need to go work on some of those areas. So it really gives them a prescription for a more, a much more comprehensive and holistic um, uh way of, of treating the patient. And so also my life's work is to have then a wellness center and or an online opportunity for patients to keep doing their work. And it can certainly go hand in hand with surgery if it's, if it's determined that they are in fact ready to have surgery. So it's a really well-balanced, um, high impact and more for long-term treatment to make patient, you know, make them feel they're in their best life. I, I love that because my experience with surgery for myself was very much, I had a consultation. I determined, yes, I wanted to do this. I determined what size with my doctor. I think I had one other appointment and it was like surgery. You come back once and you're done. And there was not a lot of hands on. And I love my surgeon. It was great. You know, I'm very happy with the results, but it was not that um, emotional, spiritual um, care that I wish that I would have had. So I love that you are creating this. What, what was the need in the market? What made you come up with this or what made you realize that this was so important? I had a singular event with a patient that kind of knocked, like slapped me across the face basically. So, um, I, she was a young, uh, 20, young twenties patient who was coming to me for a labiaplasty which is when patients have extra tissue on their labia and they're not happy with. So um, the consultation went pretty well, uh, no real red flags and we talked about the procedure. Um, and then I saw her for her pre-op visit, no real red flags again, but just kind of something did seem a little off. I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, and then we did her procedure and things went well. And the next day, uh, she called me saying that she was suicidal and I was absolutely floored, <laughs> um, you know, asking, you know, where's your, who's taking care of you? Where's your family? And she had, um, lied to us about having support network. She didn't have anyone helping her. Um, she hadn't told anyone in, in her family about it and it was very upsetting to her, but then as I, we kind of controlled the situation, got her to the help she needed and into a, a safe environment, it came out that she has a history of sexual trauma. And the surgery triggered this. And, you know, I think I just realized that there, through this conventional mindset of just kind of pumping patients through and getting to the end of the day and um, it was, 
it was some patients were are are actually being hurt by it than helped which is not why i got into this at all and so it just really kind of was impactful and so then i picked up this a book um by lissa rankin called mind over medicine and um this book just totally changed my life so I, I recommend it for everyone. Um, this is a, a doctor who was an OBGYN and she was having all of these health crises of her own and really just realized that her toxic environment was killing her. So she left medicine and she moved to California and she started her work on writing this book. And it was really about creating this um, this way of managing patients with all of their different um, facets. And that's kind of where I came into the, the, um, the, the plan that I have, you know, that's in, in the works now. So that's kind of how I, I stumbled onto this. And, and now I just really am and very passionate about trying to prevent this from happening again. I love that. I want to honor you and, and what you stand for, because I think that is also my experience of doctors is like very much, I'm, I'm a super, um, I don't know. I call myself like hippy dippy. Like I, aside from my, my boobs and my nails, everything is natural. I don't take any medication. I don't like taking ibuprofen when I'm dancing. Like I don't, I, I don't really believe in a lot of that for myself. And yet I feel like a lot of doctors, it's like cut, 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 surgery, surgery, surgery. And I really honor and appreciate your journey. I imagine that had to be incredibly challenging for you to work through and move through. And I see your heart and I see what you get to create in this world. And you really get to change the face of plastic surgery and how we as women in our society experience that. And and what I love is that you're just so focused on the healing and really supporting that whole health for women. And, and that's what I fully believe in. And I feel like we're, we're sisters on a mission, just in our own unique superpowers. And so I honor you. I see you. I love you. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing because I think it's so important. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I feel like it's important to, um, talk about these things and, uh, not expose, but, but really, um, create an awareness around the, you know, using plastic surgery as a bit of a crutch or a, a way to quell what's happening. And, and we do it with so many things. I, for one, definitely do some retail therapy, like definitely, <laughs> which is fine. You know, we all have our things, but um, you know, I think people tend to see plastic surgery as the similar sort of experience. And that is so dangerous. You know, we, the surgeries we do are huge and they, um, even a breast augmentation or a liposuction, they all have risks. So it's something that, you know, I really, I wanna create awareness. I'm also a business owner and I also need to keep the lights on and my employees paid and, and um, you know, keep, keep that afloat. So I do have that, you know, need to, uh, to bring the money in also, but I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to sacrifice uh, anyone's mental health or physical health for that matter to, 
to, you know, I'd rather not take a paycheck myself than, um, you know, obviously that, that just to me seems, I, I just, it's so goes against everything that we came into this, you know, to do. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So as you've gone through your journey and you've experienced this with patients, have you seen shifts in your own personal life? Like as your awareness has opened, as your spirituality has awakened, like all of that stuff, how has your personal life shifted with your professional shifts? Mm, Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. Well, you know, we always are doing our own work at the same time, right? So, um, I have gone through the many layers of unpacking, you know, my own, you know, as a, a child of the eighties and the nineties, having all those, um, all the, you know, the diet culture and the body shaming and the fat phobia. I mean, I definitely have been working through those sort of, um, ingrained, um, mindsets and it has been really powerful. Um, but I'm still constantly doing the work just because I think it's always there. Um, and, uh, Another modality that Lisa Rankin has um, made me aware of is something called internal family systems. It's incredible. So internal family systems is a whole psychological approach to dealing with um, your inner self and all these inner parts. And it's really amazing because you like, you know, I have, we are all comprised of these different parts and they all have a role to play. They're not good or bad. They just have a role. And so I have a part in me that is afraid of getting, of, of gaining weight. Uh, and I have another part in me that is, um, you know, uh, afraid of, of what people think of me, you know, so those are just examples, but I also have other amazing parts that keep those other parts informed and calm and give them what they need. So I, I've, I've really gone through a lot of transformation personally in that, in that journey, for sure. It's been, it's been pretty, pretty neat. I mean, you know, those parts rear their ugly heads occasionally, and I still have to talk them, (laughs) talk to them. Don't we all, don't we all. And that's, and that's another thing. It's just, you know, I've been saying a lot lately, like if there's, it's not personal enlightenment, like it's personal development. We are constantly developing. And every time we hit a new level, we, we either experience old triggers in a new way. We experience new triggers. We experience, we're just constantly learning. And I love that I get to surround myself with amazing women like you who are also on a mission to continue to grow because here's something that I'm going to say, like most doctors from what I would, would say, like my generalization, which is false probably is like, well, why would doctors do personal development? Like you're like doing your thing. You're, you're successful. You've got three kids. You're, you know, running a giant business. You're doing all this stuff. Like, no, of course you're doing personal development. Of course, that's how you keep growing. That's how you keep shifting the world and and showing up. So I love that. Thank you for knocking down my generalization and my assumption that like, well, you don't need it. You're successful. I love that. It's a really fascinating thing that you're talking about because people don't realize the high rates of suicide, Um, especially younger physicians and that kind of fall into my um, my age range and, and uh, phase of my career, because there's so many um, 
burdens that fall on us so quickly. And we um, feel like we have to keep up this whole mindset of like, oh, I'm so perfect. I've got it all together. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Where, But on the inside, you are absolutely falling apart. There's, you know, um, before I read Lisa Rankin's book, I, I would wake up and just this heaviness on my chest and feel like I wanted to drive to Mexico and never, <laughs> or drive off a cliff, you know? I mean, just so much heaviness. And, and what she taught me was that I get to create my world. And I, just because when I was in training, I, you know, would work from sunup to sundown, doesn't mean I have to do that. I get to do whatever I want. I get to do what makes me happy. And, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's really important to understand that there's, there's a, there's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. on, on us. Um, and so it's wonderful to just get to expose, expose that, yeah. because, you know, I don't, I don't, ex I never, I don't put any expectation on myself to be perfect. And I think the more authentic and the more real and the more like just out there I am, the more patients can relate to me. And, you know, we can just like do away with all of this, you know, um, false pretenses and, and just yeah, get so, to the nitty gritty. Yeah. And I so relate to that coming from the performing world. I, I feel like there is that expectation that we as performers put on ourselves to be perfect, to book the job, to we put our worthiness and whether we're hired or not. And, you know, there's that hustle culture in the performance world of like, well, if you're not taking class and you're not hustling and you're not doing the things, then like you're not quote unquote successful. And, mm -hmm. and that's so not true. And, and what I love is that we as women, we're so similar. Like our experiences are so similar when it comes down to the roots of what we get to grow through, it just might look a little bit different. Me being a performer in New York, you being a doctor in California, like we were so similar. And I think that we get to take so much safety in knowing that we're not alone. Like mm -hmm. it feels good to remember everyone else is going through something. Like even the picture perfect Instagram doctor who's got her amazing practice and this and that, or the, you know, the online performer or the fitness model or the mom or the, this or that, like, we're all going through shit. Like, let's just be real. We're all working through it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're all having days that are really, really tough and times that feel great. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. So how do you manage, how do you manage being a wife having three kids, having a new puppy, having, you know, <laughs> building out your new center, you know, working in your private practice. Like, how do you do it all? Knowing that like on the outside, everyone's like, oh, Dr. Emily's got it all together. But like, how do you do it? What do you say to the woman who is listening right now being like, I've got a million children. I'm working my jobs. I feel like a chicken with my head cut off. How do you find happiness? How do you find joy when you feel like like, how do you, how do you get it done? Mm. So I have, um, well, women are exceptionally good at creating an infrastructure around them. So, you know, we, we, even though we can't get it all done at one time, we can make it happen around us so that all the different things that we need are getting the attention that they need 
you know, whether you're hiring it out or you have a spouse who's incredible, like I do, who stays home with my kids and really makes, <laughs> makes our world, you know, happen. Um, but also, you know, just kind of lowering my expectations for everything is the only way that I've been able to really get through. Because if we keep our expectations super high, you're always going to be disappointed. So lowering my expectations for myself, lowering my expectations for my kids um, and for my husband and for, you know, everyone every, and for life, you know, just realizing that if I come home and the dishes aren't done or the laundry's not, whatever, who cares? Are the kids smiling? Are the kids, you know, breathing? Are they, <laughs> let's go back to the basics. And um, am, I am I having a, a connection with them every day? I, I, I have, my two daughters have cell phones and we text back and forth all day. I mean, you know, there's, there's no reason not to. And um, uh, just really trying to keep as much joy and simplicity and not try, not getting too bogged down by all the details and trying to hold yourself to to someone else's standard. You don't have to look like everybody else. You don't have to do it like everybody else. I'm never going to be a fitness queen. I mean, I'm cool with it. I love myself, um, but I'm I I can do little things here and there and dance on my own to you know my own fun songs and 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 just getting as much joy out of life as I can. Um, and still remaining in my zone of genius. You know, I'm always revisiting, is this what I wanna do? Cause I have a choice. I don't have to do this. Even though I got a I went 17 years of school, I don't have to do this. And that is so liberating. Then I'm like, okay, well, do I wanna do it? And how do I wanna do it? Um, and I think that is the way that you set a good example for your children and all the people around you. So uh, I, could go, <laughs> I could go on. Uh, you are filling me up over here. So my question is, have you always felt this or was there something that happened? Like, did you used to have super high expectations for everything? And then something happened. You're like, Oh wait, I got to come back to joy. Or have you always had this? Like, what's going to light me up? Do I get to do this? I get to do this. What's going to make me happy? What was that journey for you? Well, um, you know, I, I think that I always have kind of had a Pollyanna type uh, personality where oh, let's play the glad game. Everything's glad. glad. Um, and, you know, when I first applied to medical school, I didn't get in and I didn't let that stop me. I still, I found just an, another way, um, you know, and, and I just, I never really gave up, but I did have very high expectations of myself. What really knocked me down, <laughs> what, I didn't, maybe not knocked me down, but what really brought me down to a grounded level was having children. And having children, you, there's, there's just, there's, you have no control over many things. And you realize that <laughs> early on. And, um, you know, I think that just is a, what was so hard for me about becoming a mom, uh, my, cause I'm so type A and, you know, I want everything to be so perfect is, um, I lost my 
independence and I lost my routine and my rhythm, but it was so freaking, I don't know if you can cuss on your podcast, but I was so fucking beautiful that it forced me to discover new ways of viewing the world through her eyes and going back to, you know, the simplicity of infancy. And it was like a rebirth for myself of, oh, this is what really matters. This little being is what really matters. And all the other stuff is just, you know, can wait. And that's amazing, very impactful. And I just carried that with me throughout the rest of my, my life. It was really wonderful. That's so beautiful. Normally I tell my friends who have children that they're my birth control because they're like, ah, my kids are acting crazy. Ah, my kids are whatever. This makes my ovaries go, hmm, Sam, maybe you want to have kids. <laughs> so thank you for that beautiful reframe of what motherhood gets to be. And I, and I think that, again, that's the thing is it's all about our mindset. We get to choose if we want to be the slave to what motherhood could be, or we get to choose that we get to see the world through your kid's eyes. Like that's beautiful. And everything I keep hearing you say is this reframe of how do I get to be in joy? How do I get to create my own definition of success? How, what do I get to create? And that's evident in what you do as a surgeon, this, this, this expansion of what is the medical care that you're giving. It, it is this holistic thing. And I just... I, I see you. I honor you. I love you. I'm so excited to see what you get to cause and create. And I know that your patients are so lucky to have you. I have a couple like very fast questions. Well, I don't know if they're very fast, but I'm going to say that they're very fast. What, and we're going to go back to plastic surgery. How early does one need to not need to get to start thinking about Botox? Like give it to me real now. Mm, start thinking about Botox. Uh, well, everyone's skin is different. Uh, so I would say as soon as you start to see inklings of creases forming, um, and you know, even if you're a big smiler and you notice that there is a lot of creases happening, Botox can be a, you know, great for prevention, but truthfully just, I mean, it's expensive and you kind of, then you gotta, gotta maintain it. So I don't think it, that every like 18 year old walking around should be doing Botox. I really don't. But once you start seeing those little inklings, you know, creep up, if it is important to you, if you do not give a shit, then don't put that stuff in your face. Buy yourself a nice, you know, Gucci bag or whatever, but you don't, <laughs> everything has a risk. So. Oh my God, it, I love you. If it matters. I love you. That's amazing. I'm like, I'm 34 and I have yet to have Botox. I invest in really amazing skincare, but mm -hmm. I have yet to do Botox. A lot of my friends do. Um, so that was totally a question for me. Um, my next question for you is I've seen a lot of things online about breast implant illness. Is that uh, like, is that a legit thing? How do you know if you have it? How, when do you talk to a doctor? If you suspect that that's something that you have? Okay, great question, huge topic. Um, and it's also a kind of a social media, a massive phenomenon on social media um, and the internet. My feeling on it 
Well, first, let me tell you what my we say as a specialty. Um, so what we say as a specialty is that we have no evidence to support that it exists. We have been trying since the late 70s, 80s to create a connection between implants and a more systemic global problem in the body, meaning that there was a body response to the implants. As things have progressed um, over time, we still have been doing studies trying to elucidate this connection um, and really nothing has come out of it. However, I do see patients who come into my office with real symptoms and whether it's you know a rash or fibromyalgia type symptoms or uh, chronic fatigue and all the way to like seizures, um, I, those symptoms are very real to them. So I am happy to take out implants. And the truth is many people feel better when they come out. And I don't know what that is. We don't know what that is, whether it's placebo effect or it's something really happening. Um, we've yet to figure it out. So also there is with, with all the genetic mutation uh, information out there with the 23andMe and ancestry.com that people are doing, um, we have a lot more genetic information. So it seems like there might be a link with breast implant illness syndrome and the MTHFR gene mutation. So those studies are currently underway. We just don't know yet. Um, so, I mean, I would love to, I wish that science would validate something for these patients because they're miserable and they're looking for a reason. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. That's really fascinating. Is. Thank you so much for speaking on that. My last um, like quick quote unquote question is if someone is looking to do plastic surgery, what do you suggest they do? How do they find a surgeon that is going to be right for them? What's the process? What do you tell patients when they're searching for a doctor? Mm, okay. You know, um, it's tough. I always recommend that you see someone who is board certified. And what that means is that they have gone through rigorous uh, testing amongst their peers and their mentors to be, um, to practice safe plastic surgery. Um, and that is, that's what I highly recommend. Um, so outside of that, oh, and you can find board certified plastic surgeons through the American Board of Plastic Surgery on their website. Um, after that, man, you really want to sit down and spend some time with them. And they're all very different. We are all very different. I mean, we're like to the, all the flavors of the ice cream out there and then some. So I really just want you to go in and sit down with that person and just feel the vibes, <laughs> see if you resonate. Holy cow, you know, those, those things are all the intangibles. Those are, those are the most important, the body language, how they receive you, how you receive them and you know, what kind of information you're getting from them. Um, I think that's really important. And when people come to see me, I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, how am I receiving you? Are we on, are we like in tune? Um, are we gonna jive? And some people it's just not a good match and that's cool. Just keep trying. You might have to pay more consultation fees but that is really 
worth its weight in gold to, to find the right surgeon. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel that's the same with coaches. Like when, when I have someone that wants to work with me, I'm like, great, let's get on a phone call first because we need to be a good energetic match. Like you might see me on social media and vibe one way, but when we get on a phone call, like if that connection does not go both ways, it's not going to be a good fit. If I don't feel like we're a good fit or you don't feel like we're a good fit, but one of us says yes, because we feel pressure to like, it's just not going to work. So I think that that energetic, excuse me, the energetic um, experience really on every level works. Like I just had a, a dog sitter last weekend and, and I went through Rover because I don't know anyone in this area. And, and I had to just go through even reading the reviews. I'm like, mm, this person doesn't feel right. Like the picture doesn't feel right. And then I got an amazing person who came over and even the way that she interacted with, with my Murphy, it was very specific. So I think that we get to trust that intuition just like, I mean, cause y'all know I'm the single lady over here, just like going on dates. I get to trust that energetic, everything that's unsaid, all of the things that the energy is saying, I get to trust that. And I don't think that we necessarily give enough weight to the energy and our intuition. And so I love that you brought that up because heck yeah, if I would have listened to my intuition in my adult life, it would have saved me a lot. It would have saved me a lot of heartache and pain. Well, we do a lot of, uh, we, we do a lot of, um, of uh, ignoring our, well, we do a lot of overthinking, right? We're just overthinking, 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 when really we should be doing just the first thing that comes in our, up to, in our mind. First thing. Yeah, totally. It's hard. It's hard. It's a lot of unlearning that you have to do, but it's so important. It, it is. It is. So I, with my breast augmentation patients, we'll be talking about implants and we'll get through it. And I'm like, does this resonate with you? <laughs> If this does not resonate with you, you do not have to get implants because that's a big deal. It's a big deal to have implants and there's a lot to it. So, and some of them are like, no, it just really doesn't sound right. I'm like, good, go for it. Amazing. No, amazing. I love that you give, you give women space to feel into what's right for them. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'm the last surgeon that's going to just pick the size for them. Oh, so good. And do that. It's not my body. Yeah. <laughs> need to, yeah. And so even if it's like super, super small implants, which are actually my, my favorite type to put in, um, you know, the yoga boobie, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I like empowering women that way. Although some, some girls or women choose too large and we have to like have the talk of like, nope, your body won't do that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I really give women all the, um, the control. That's so good. It's so good. So Dr. Emily Hartman, where can we find you? If we want to get in touch with you, if people want to work with you, if they want to see, uh, what you're up to in the world. Yeah. The best way to connect with me is through social media. So Instagram, Facebook, absolutely. Uh, I do have a website, um, though it's being commandeered. I'm currently constructing a kind of a monstrosity on uh, of a website right now. But you can find me at um, emilyhartmanmd.org, um, where I have a lot of um, just uh, blogging and where you can really find out more about me. But the best way to really connect with me is through social media. Excellent. And I have one last question for you. And that is, if you were uh, running into someone and they were like, Dr. Emily Hartman, how do I live my life full out? What is your advice? <laughs> Lower your expectations. 
simple mic drop. <laughs> all you need, true happiness. Oh you're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you're amazing. I'm just inspired by your positive energy and radiant light. Thank you. Thanks, love. You take care. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Joe Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.